This week's episode of Live from the Dutch Hall is brought to you by our friends from VG Meats. Please go to my website, www.livefromthedutchhall.com, and look for the VG Meats uh, coupon. Click on it, print it off, bring it into our friends at VG Meats, and you can get discounts uh, over and above their already uh, great deals uh, for supporting Live from the Dutch Hall, and a bit of your money will come back to support us here. Also, Check out, uh, if as long as you're on my website, you might as well click on the Amazon banner. There's Amazon.ca and Amazon.com banners, and you can do all your Amazon shopping with the great pleasure of knowing that you're helping this great program continue and get better and better every week. With that being said, we're done with commercials, so let's get on with the show. This one's called Round 2 with Ryan Vandebush. So let's hit the theme song. You ready, everybody? Thank you, thank you, thank you everybody. Welcome to Live from the Dutch Hall. I'm your host, Pete Van Dyke, and we're here for episode 39 of Live from the Dutch Hall. Who'd have thought we made it this far? And uh, with me this week as my co-host is my brother, uh, Paul Van Dyke. Paul, thanks for coming in. Hey, thanks for having me, Peter. Oh, yes. The reason I asked Paul to come in is because um, last time we had, uh, on the third episode ever of Live from the Dutch Hall, we had on uh, my brother-in-law, Ryan Vandenbush, and I didn't tell people right away he was my brother-in-law because I just wanted to have somebody that was uh, Wikipedia noted, someone that someone might know other than the, the scrubs that usually come in here, including myself. So, um, but the thing that I, that uh, about being a brother-in-law with somebody who's accomplished something is that we really don't give too much of a shit about it and i thought who gives less of a shit than i do about my brother-in-law's accomplishments uh, that would be my brother paul so we thought we would have him in here and then we could uh actually we would uh be able to kind of try to like if ryan starts to get a little bit too um maybe full of himself for all the great things he's done in his life we can maybe just bring him back to (laughs) bring him back to normal (laughs) That being said, it is my great pleasure again to welcome back Ryan Vandenbush to Live from the Dutch Hall. Ryan has uh, worked, or he is uh, a former NHL um, enforcer and, and forward. He played for uh, New York Rangers and the Chicago Blackhawks, Pittsburgh Penguins, as well as uh, what team did you play for in Finland, Ryan? Helsinki uh, Jokerits. Helsinki Jokerits? Yeah, Jokerits. Yeah. So the J, J O K E R I T. Were they like the Jokers? Was that their yes. thing? Yes, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, uh, and so uh, that we'd like to welcome Ryan Vandenbush back to the show. Thank you. We'll play it all the way through. No, there you go. Thank <laughs> you. So, uh, basically, I listened to the show. The original show was done. It was my third episode ever that we had done, and um, I was still pretty full of nerves back then. Were you nervous too back then, Ryan? I'm always nervous when I have the microphone in front of my face. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so. But you shouldn't be really like I mean uh, nowadays. Now you've been on a few of these things. You've been on a couple, you know, the hockey parents one and the and a couple family ones. Like, are you do you feel find yourself more at ease now, or are you, are you still? Yeah, the more you do it, the more at ease you get, I guess. But it's like anything. But yeah, I don't know. I just uh, I like the comfort of my own home. 
Yeah, we should do the next one at your place then. Yeah, sure. We'll go live on the road to to uh, where, the Lakeside Vista. Lakeside Vista. Yeah. So there was a couple of things where I felt that the last time we had a good interview. Last time it was, it was my highest rated episode ever, the Ryan Vanderbush one, and uh, people had gave pretty positive feedback. But when I listened back to it, I listened today to see if I had improved at all in my uh, 39 weeks, and. Uh, there was a lot of things that we didn't get to because we got to talking, and we, we said a few of them we'd come back to. So there's a one thing I said on the show, and just to be so I can be true to my listeners, I'll I'll do it again. I said that we didn't talk about the Stu Grimson stuff. I said maybe next time we talk about Stu Grimson. So Why would you want to talk about that? Because I think it's a great story. I think it's a great story. <laughs> Last time we talked a little, we opened with the Dennis Bonvi right. uh, bout, which was like a great, uh, a, well, my favorite uh, ever fight that you got that you were in, and. Uh, now, so I thought that my second favorite story was Stu Grimson's story. I think that's a great one. So uh, this one, we'll get into it. But I'm going to leave that as a teaser, as a teaser. As right now... we got the technical difficulties figured out, because I think last time we were like, trying to figure that shit out forever. Yeah, that was, it was, it's always a problem with technical difficulties. And now this time I planned a few extra things too, and we got a whole new Dutch hall set up here with more... Um, and I'm on technical stuff, so watch it. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, that really made a difference with regard to the buzzing, didn't it? Yeah. So anyways, well, this is technical again. Just unplug it there, and then we'll just plug it in at the end when we need it. There you go, yeah. So um, first of all, have you been watching the news lately? No. No? Because every week, I mean, we've been doing the past few weeks where we talk about kind of news stories of what's going on, because the hot items, if you tag them, you can tend to attract more listeners. And that's what we're trying to do is get a few more people to listen to the show. So, like, last week we talked about what the hot topic was, which I think was, uh, oh, jeez, I can't even remember anymore every week. It's like one week Robin Williams died, and then the next week it was... Uh, Joan Rivers. Yeah, Joan Rivers. I don't know if we ever talked about Joan Rivers, but we talked about, there was uh, uh, the ice bucket thing was a big deal, and then after that it was, uh, there's always something. This week is Ray Rice. Ray Rice. You have, have you heard anything about, he's an NFL football player. And uh, there was a couple months ago they had caught him coming out of an elevator uh, and is dragging his unconscious wife. Oh, I, I saw a clip of that, yeah. Yeah, and... Uh, Picked and, up her shoe then. Put it back in. Pretty much kicked her right back in the elevator. She was lying. Yeah, she was right out cold. And, yeah. and, and, and so they had that footage, and you couldn't tell. There were some people who suspected maybe he had knocked her out. But most people thought, well, she could have been drunk. She could have been this and that, you know. And... Uh, the NFL uh, responded by, by um, he responded by uh, finding her two weeks or by uh, suspending him for two games. That's what they did. They right. suspended him for two games because they thought he might have done something wrong. Um, but and then they said they had sent the NFL the tape of what happened inside the elevator. Oh. And just recently, it became clear to TMZ that uh or they, they, the footage of what happened inside the elevator came out and they showed actually what was good about it is they showed uh the uh his fiance at the time now his wife coming up through like uh, the hotel and she hit him she like um punched him right okay. and then he walks into the elevator and the elevator door closes and now the the footage goes to inside the elevator and you see him come in and he kind of gives her like a underhand kind of shot you know, kind of say, like, don't hit me kind of thing. Right. And then her look on her face was this, like, all of a sudden she snapped. Like, uh, she was like, uh, you going gonna, you gonna to hit me? Like, you know, she had that kind of ghetto, like, what you think you t you're tougher than me? Like, she wasn't, like, backing down, cowering by any stretch. She comes at him. 
And then what he did was he kind of comes across with a shot, and whether it's a, was kind of a push with his hand or whether it was a punch, uh, it was hard to tell because the footage was kind of fuzzy. But what happened was she, when she fell, like whatever he did to her, she fell, and she hit her head on the railing that's in the oh. elevator and knocked herself out unconscious, right? So uh, he, he was now, then uh, I think he's uh, banned for life. Or like he's out of football oh, over this, right? On. And not only is he out of it for out, out of it for life, but uh, now Roger Goodell, the commissioner of the NFL, a lot of people are calling for his his head. Like so, he loses his job because he should have uh, he should have known better, and they should have asked asked more of their players and they hold their players to a higher standard. And so, my question to you, because of this, Jeez. is what do you think the limit? For like, what do you think? And I can only, you can't talk about the NFL, but for as far as the NHL perspective, what do you think? Um, like, where do you think your personal uh, uh, behavior should impact your job in regards to professional sports? Like, do you well, think at what point should your something you do that has nothing to do with the game that you did in your personal time mean that you should lose your job in professional sports? It's all about image. You're you're a professional. You, um, you know, there's a lot of young kids that look up to you, and you might not realize it at the time. So what you do is pretty pretty important because it's going to get aired somehow or another. If it's uh, something really bad or something really good. Yeah. So, but, but like if you're yeah, if you let's say you're like uh, drinking and driving, for example, right? Right. It's against the law. You get caught drinking and driving. Should you lose your job as a hockey player if you no, got caught drinking? No, absolutely not. Everyone makes mistakes. We're only human, right? Everyone's going to go out there and have a couple of drinks and hopefully not get in a vehicle, but some people do. But what if you um, murdered somebody? And, well, then you're in jail. Well, you're in jail. Matter. Yeah, I mean, you can't just go out and murder somebody. What if... Come on, there's rules to apply to everybody. <laughs> well, you're in jail. Well, well, you're, like, look, didn't so, that so guy... If you, you worked at Farm Credit for how long? And if you went out and got a drink, drink and driving charge, would you have your job? I don't know. Yeah. I think probably I would because yeah. I need my license to do yeah. my job, right? Yeah, but you don't need your license to play hockey. What? Yeah, you do. You got to get to the rink. You got to get to the airport. You can get a cab. It's always in a big city. But you're not only representing yourself; you're you're representing the organization. So if you embarrass the organization, they'll terminate you some one way or another. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's the thing, and that's what they're saying in this case because the the NFL is full of felons. They have felons all over the league. Like there's. The, you basically, the thing about football, and I know it's supposed to be a hockey show, but the thing about football is, and I don't get it. I mean, I'm, I'm barely a man. I've established this on the show before. <laughs> but the thing about football is, like, we're really taking people, like these giants and these, like, they're people that are, like, violent people. Like, that's the, the nature of the they job is violent, right? Yeah. These big giant guys right. that hurl their bodies as hard as they can at other people with the intention of, like, Killing them. Yeah, like you, that's putting your mentality. You have to. You want to kill that guy in front of you. Yeah, you have to put as much damage on that person as you can, and then we uh, are surprised when they act violently outside of the of their job, right? But then they're conditioned and rewarded for uh, violence the whole time, right? Right. And then they sacrifice themselves, like. So I don't know. I mean, it's kind of like you want these guys to be gladiators, but then you hold them to a standard to be role models, and I'm not sure how you can do both. Like that's. That's where it, I come. You, you're, you're bred, okay. I got in a little trouble with a police officer back in 06, and I came outside of the uh, the establishment where I had a few drinks, and I saw a friend of mine getting his butt kicked by two bouncers. So naturally, I'm going to go out there and grab somebody yep. and pull one guy off. But when that happened, something, I took a blow to the head, and, and um, 
I don't know what happened. Uh, but to make a long story short, I ended up hitting a police officer and uh, broke his nose and orbital bone. And, and I never even got an opportunity to, to, to try out with a, uh, an AHL team, let alone an NHL team, uh, that fall. So uh, I guess my point is, is the, how, how does that affect your personality? That, that I affected the whole league there. You know, I didn't just say embarrass the team that I was signed by, like say the Chicago Blackhawks at the time, but that's the whole NHL. Right, right. I mean, you can't go out and do that. Simple as that. Because you, and, and that was what the teams were thinking. They were saying because he's have has this thing looming over him, like right. it's gonna they don't want to touch it because it's gonna somehow could reflect badly on their organization or the league and as yeah. a whole. Yeah, exactly. But right. I think if you look at hockey, um compared to all the sports, I think hockey's the behavior of the players in the NHL is probably the best of all the major sports oh, leagues. Well, I'm saying I'm not saying it's good. I'm not saying it's good at all. I'm just but saying. Best. But I mean, I think the hockey players, for the most part, are um, come from a higher like um, they're probably like, socially they're in a probably higher social economic uh, class of people because you have to have a certain amount of money just to afford hockey equipment and ice time. It's an expensive sport to play, right? They're just the yeah, they're a bunch of farmers that live out in rural areas for the most part. And... Yeah, a lot of Canadians, but Canadians uh, got a good like uh, subsidized uh, education, right? And, and you know, we're you know, like in the states, they have like the it's a real class system. Like the states has, uh, if you don't pay for private school, you're in a shitty school system, like real bad. We had my friends from California down to the show a couple of weeks ago, and they have a daughter who's like uh, two or th- uh, she's two or three. I, I apologize for not knowing, but. Um, she's two or three and they have to get her in preschool they got to start in order for her to uh, have a place to go into private school in california she's got to be in signed up for a preschool and it's going to cost like a ridiculous amount of money to have a like a three-year-old in preschool just so she has a spot saved to go to private school otherwise you got to go into the public school system which is just terrible and if you look at you know the people that don't have the money to pay for that stuff they they get a real lousy education uh you know because of because of that right Hey, there's another headphones here, Nick. If you want them, there's one right there. If there's a in the chair, if you, if you want, it's up to you or for Mike. We got a couple more guests come into the hall. I know, Mike. <laughs> Sorry, we got a couple more Dutch Hall regulars. We have Mike, uh, Mike Bowen, and his uh, and his uh, lovely girlfriend Nicole, who have joined us here at the Dutch Hall. Anyways, I think I've got a bit off a uh, bit off topic, but I'm uh, but I know what you mean. I'm just I'm just wondering, like, first thing that's if it's between the husband and the wife, and the wife's not present, charges, and it's, as horrible as it is to knock your wife out, which I'm not at any stretch of the imagination defending that the guy should punch his wife, but I'm just saying, like, if his wife's forgiven him, they she got married to him afterwards. Yeah. At what point in time, like Michael Vick uh, drowned a bunch of dogs and stuff, like. Uh, and he got his job back. He had to spend some time in jail, and he still got his job back. Where, at what point do you think a guy should get forgiven for that? You know, right away. I mean, <laughs> well, yeah, if you're not, he's got to get his job back. Guys. Yeah, I'd say if you're not in jail, you should be able to do your job. They obviously yeah. have some issues, but I mean, you you're just in jail though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I saw an interview, and she was talking about the incident. And she, you know, she's standing by her husband, and they're going to be. You know, together, and it's just unfortunate that he's he's got to lose his job. I didn't know he actually lost his job for the whole year. Yeah, I think forever. I don't think anyone's going to touch that's, him anymore. I think because it's not just. I think someone harsh. could have picked him up. I think that the Ravens, the Ravens got rid of him, but I think he could have got picked up. But nobody wants to touch him anymore because yeah. he's just kind of. Maybe time will 
heal those wounds. But he's but, labeled as a wife beater. But they want to get, yeah. And who knows if it was, uh, you know, one time or a hundred times or whatever. It's always bad. You, you, but I, I hit him first. You can't just go around hitting people and not expect a little something back. You, <laughs> come on, don't hit me. <laughs> I, mean, I don't. <laughs> That's the thing about it. Bill Burr does a great bit about uh, about spousal abuse, where he talks about how if you uh, you should realize that if um, you know women can't they they know they can't be hit right, so then they. They lip, a, they they lip a little bit more, knowing that there's no repercussions, and then that's an unfair playing field. He says you can't have a proper argument if one person can punch in the face that's and you right. can't if you can't hit back, right? So really, he should have found another girl that wasn't so crazy. But I think of it as if you're like a high-strung guy, like you're meant to be aggressive. Your whole nature of you, you've been rewarded for being aggressive, and you are basically this sort of like high performing precision machine that's meant to be do aggressive things and someone's always sticking the you know the stick in the bear cage poking at you trying to get you even more pissed off i mean then that's probably not the right girl for you no because it's like if i'm i'm nuts i'm nuts myself right where was this advice years ago for me (laughs) (laughs) yeah you need it you need it yeah, you just can't. You can't do that. If you're the type of person that's got a, that knows you're a bit like of a like a nut job, like you can't have a woman that's gonna gonna continually bring that out in you. You know, like takes some sort of sick pleasure in making you go crazy, right? You know, I I would I would not do well with that. I need to have somebody that's ultra calm that's gonna just be sickened by my emotion, right? That's what happens uh, with my wife, you know. <laughs> Anyways, we're gonna try some technology, okay? You ready? You want to try this thing? I can try it. All right, so we're going to try something in the Dutch Hall. We have a clip to show you. This is your old buddy, Stu Grimson. We said we're going to talk about Stu Grimson, so we're going to put this up on the uh, the Dutch Hall 3000, the new monitor that we got up here. Oh, it's beautiful. Oh, it's beautiful. So, Paul, yeah, Paul, give it a click here. So hopefully the crowd at home can, uh, can follow along. Uh-oh. Hit that button there. Oh, we got to plug this in. Oh, shoot, yeah. <laughs> the first blush. The fighter That's all right. Hands are hurt, for example. He will Can you go back to the beginning of this then? Go back to the beginning of it. All right, just close it out at the top and then double click on it again. Oh, you could go back. Yeah, just double click on it again. We'll start. All right, so hopefully this will work. And then at the bottom there, you can go full screen. You know, I think that the one thing that people don't fully understand about the role is there's there's more honor to it than you recognize at first blush. Fighter, hands are hurt, for example. He will tell a guy, I can't go tonight, which is, is remarkable to me. There is a code, and when the fight is ready to stop, it stops. You almost don't need linesmen. You never take advantage of another guy if he's in a tough spot, if he's got a sore hand, or he's just roughed up in any way, or if it's just not not the right time. You don't jump a guy, you just don't take advantage of another individual. See him pat him on um, the back there? In that circumstance. Today, Stu Grimson is a law student at the University of Memphis. Time and distance have given him a unique perspective on the life he once knew as one of hockey's most feared enforcers. Hockey fighting, it's part of the game, but it's not carried over. He said there's no hatred of the other man. And Stu Grimson was a very religious man, and he felt that uh, fighting uh, still could be balanced into his religion because he said, you know, a fighter is a protector, and if you're a Christian as I am, he said, who better to protect someone than a Christian? Yeah, when I'm getting paid hundreds of thousands of dollars, I come up with a reason too, right? We know one another. (laughs) We know each other on a personal level. 
um, which, which you might think kind of takes away from it, but it's quite the opposite because when we're on the ice, it's all business. And, and the neat part is, when it's all said and done out there, it's left there, it's forgotten there, and that's where it remains. You can see those guys on a personal level outside the game, and it was like it never ha happened. In fact, it was almost like you had this rapport because it did happen. Uh, they could have two fights in this game, probably still go out together afterwards. Yeah, no, you're right. They both understand the job that they're supposed to do once the puck drops. Early on in my career, I fought Steve Grimson quite a few times. And then Who's that? Teammates in Anaheim. Jim McKenzie? The first guy that uh, I gravitated to, the first guy I got along with. And certainly there's that respect or, or some kind of bond, I guess, that you, just from battling somebody over and over again, that uh, you have this instant bond. One time, Stu Grimson was telling me he was in a battle with uh, Jimmy McKenzie. Uh, and at one point, as they were brawling, he said, he had a little Italian for lunch today, didn't you, Jimmy? And McKenzie apologized in the fight because he realized he had garlic wraps and they were battling <laughs> in close quarters. And again, you know, it seems silly, but I think that explains the culture of the sport, that these guys are great guys that just, uh, you know, they have to fight. That's part of their game. And nowhere is the measure of these men seen more clearly than when the game is left behind. The guys that I've known over the years, the guys that i played with, and the tough guys that I continue to, to cover and to meet, are generally speaking the nicest people you can you can run into. There we go. All right, enjoy the game, okay? All right, bye. Thank you. Thank you. Nicest guys in the league. Uh, and, you know, those are the guys I'd love to have living next door to me, or the guys that I'd love to invite to my barbecue. They're incredible human beings. Darren McCarty in today's game, uh, uh, you know, another example of that. You had to work hard to get here, um, work hard to stay here, but you sort of appreciate it along the way, and, and it's just, it makes you feel good to give back. You could stop it then, Paul. You know, I think that the one thing that people don't fully understand about so, the role is there's, there's more uncle, honor to it. Yeah, it just get, creates a buzzing, sorry. So the, the ba basis of that video was that, I don't know how well that turned out for everyone, but... Uh, the base of the video is that there's a certain code that that the it's more businesslike and there's more of a fraternity and there's unwritten rules and and that there's no hard feelings. I think that that's kind of clear, but it's more it's nevertheless kind of hard for people to wrap their heads around because of the nature of what you're doing to each other, right? It, it's a very tough role just because of the fact, you know, you may you have a job to do out there. Everyone, you know, the, the whole team, and you got your first, second, third, fourth lines and. Everyone has a specific role on the ice, and you know my role was to skate hard, forecheck, finish my checks, and if need be, drop the gloves. And sometimes that had to be against a a friend of mine, or. Right. Eh, but, you know, if you're down a few goals and and you got to change the momentum of the game, you got to go out there and do your job. And and it was very tough to do, but um, you know he he's he's trying to keep his job. I'm trying to keep my job, and. And you drop the gloves and you go out and and uh, but again you know the, the one thing the one thing they said if you get, if they, if some guy had hurt hands or whatever that he would let you know did that happen to you? Yeah, there's there's times out there where you know I, I would say that there's only one time where I said I was injured because for the, for the most part if you're injured you're not going to be playing a game especially if you're a scrapper right right um, so but yeah there's been times where I've you know I, I've asked somebody to go and and they said they had a bad wing uh, just lay low tonight. Okay. All right. You just leave him alone. Yeah, leave him alone. Yeah, for sure. Do you uh, do you have like um? Unless he's doing something stupid. So <laughs> some of those guys, some of the, this is this is against the code too. So someone will say that to you, and then they'll go out there and run around like an idiot. 
Oh yeah, yeah. Know, oh sure. yeah, yeah. But like, for, like for, so then you know you're gonna get. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get them later. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, you, just, you know, just get them then. But like yeah. you, you were a fourth liner, right? So you, you, it, you had your job to do. But Probert, who was like, right, like more on the ice all the time, right? He would play with the sore hand, right? So he would be one like one of the guys that would tap out, like say, "Hey, my wing, I down a wing, leave me alone." Right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he he communicate with you know someone like me or whatever, and. And there's been times where, you know, we were told to, you know, in pregame skate to go out there and, and fight a guy in, in San Jose. And, and I was told to go fight Grant Marshall, and he was told to go fight Brant Myers. And, and I was friends with Grant Marshall, so Proby and I said to each other during uh, pregame, I said, Proby, you know, I'm, I'm kind of buddies with Grant Marshall. Why don't you go after... Uh, Go after him, and I'll go after Brant Myers. And <laughs> so you switched? Yeah, we switched. <laughs> Did you have to clear that with the coach? No, no. No, you just. Uh, <laughs> well, you were playing the same line, weren't you? Yeah. Oh yeah. So you just yeah. had to switch dance partners. Right. Yeah. <laughs> have you had to ever? Uh, did you ever get the assignment to fight a guy like that you're good buddies with, and you didn't? You weren't crazy about the idea of it, or? Oh yeah, all the time. I mean, every game you have to prepare for that, whether you, whether you're, he's your, your good friend or not. Because a lot of times, you know, I played with a lot of these guys and. You know, a lot of I got along with every one of them, and, uh, and then you get traded, and you have to play against them again, and or you meet them in training camp. Right, right. And then uh, yeah, you have to fight these guys, and it's it's tough. It's really tough. Do you ever fight Probert? I think I might ask no, that last I never, time. Never played against them. No. But even in practice or nothing? No, 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 not no. even close. No. Oh yeah. yeah. I didn't know if you just would ever think about how you roommate, could do against yeah, them. We were roommates, so we, we wrestled around a little bit. Oh, yeah. yeah but, gross. Yeah, yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah, it was gross. He <laughs> was stinky. Uh, so this leads me to like the, the the second part. So this is showing, like, I just want to give the background on Grimson. The guy's huge, eh? Like, if you look in the oh, video, like, his hands big. were, like, twice the size of like, a normal His man, arms so. are as long as his legs, too. Oh. It's crazy. So it's like, a, he had to have you by, like, a foot and a half. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah he's... Hold, hold on one second, everyone. Just just hold one second. All right. Bolly. So what were we what were we saying? We're going. Uh, so Stu Grimson, the guy's a beast, right? Like yeah. a huge thing. Yeah. He's when, a monster. Yeah. And when we when the and I was doing a little research on the history of Ryan Vanderbush versus Stu Grimson because I want to get the full story of it, mm -hmm. like not just the because I like the crescendo of the last videos where where you have your, but the very first fight was Stu Grimson was working in. It was just the first time you fought him when he was in Hartford. Yes. And you were, were playing for the New York Rangers yes. with Messi and Gretzky. I was 96, <laughs> 97. Yeah, what's wrong with that picture, eh? Yeah. Yeah, Do you have a picture I was of six you? Six years old when they broke in the league. Six years old? I was six years old, yeah. Well, yeah. Well, Gretzky would have been playing for the Oilers in what, yeah. 79 yeah, or something? That was Colin old. Campbell's last year in the league was Gretzky's rookie year. Oh, yeah. Same with yeah. you and uh, Crosby. Crosby. Yeah, yeah. 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 And so, uh, did, did uh, Colin Campbell play with Gretzky? Yeah, yeah. Gre Colin's last year in the league. Was Edmonton? Was Edmonton. Oh, in the WHL? Uh, or I think they just, I think they're in the NHL, right? I think they're in the, yeah. the first year NHL? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think it was the first year, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think Gretzky played for Edmonton when he was like 17 in the WHL, yeah. and then switched to NHL when he was 18 right. or something? Yeah. Something like that, anyways. But that's crazy. Yeah. And I got to play with him. Yeah. Messier. That was neat. Yeah, yeah. You feel like you got to, you and had Lemieux. to think at that. Lemieux and uh, Crosby. And Lemieux, on the same team. That's yeah, how you finished. Yeah, Lemieux's last year in, in the league was my last year in the league as well. Oh, yeah? yeah. <laughs> he, uh, he had a couple last year. You know, years. it sucked though, because he was in the room. We, during, the, during the lockout year, I think that was 0405, we had a good group of guys in Wilkes-Barre, Maxim Talbot, uh, Fleury, and, and uh, Ryan Whitney, and uh, Scuderi. And 
we get to the NHL the following year, the season resumes, and we're in a, in a room, and these guys are always chirping in the room, these young guys, right? And they're hilarious what they're saying. They're just making all kinds of jokes all the time, and I'm just laughing my ass off on the ball. But at the NHL, we had Mario Lemieux, who was the owner slash captain in the room, and it just sucked the chemistry right out of the room. And it, nobody, the young kids never got to do what they did the year before in the minors, you know, they were always nervous to, to say something right, really right. stupid. Because they're in the room with the boss, right? Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> so like, kinda, what, was that Lemieux that doing? Really was that Lemieux doing, or was it more just the fact that his position... Lemieux wanted to come back, I think, and play because, the, you know, Pittsburgh won the lottery and, and got Crosby, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he wanted win. to come back, you know. And yeah. Blah, blah, blah. Hopefully Crosby it set him up. up the whole dressing room, I think. Yeah, you know, yeah. Well, it's weird, eh? It's like uh, it would take a special person to pull that off, like to be able to make everyone feel comfortable or forget about that, you know? Right. If you're not making a huge effort, I don't know if I would be able to pull that off. Yeah. I wouldn't think. But, uh, yeah, pretty cool, though. Uh, uh, Like, you must have felt, they must have felt pretty surreal, like for you just to be like a regular small-town kid that's sitting there, like sitting on the bench with some of your heroes from when you were kids and stuff i pinched myself the one time i was on a bench my first game in the nhl in buffalo and beside me is mark messi and to the right of me is wayne gresky and you know i'm thinking i'm six years old and i watched these guys break into the league it was insane and now you're now now i'm sitting on the bench with them and i got a shift with mark messi too did you (laughs) yeah my second shift of the game and this was your first ever game yeah first ever game 96 97 holy yeah that's a little tense i I felt like puking the night before i was so nervous oh my god my mouth was so dry that whole day oh my god it was neat though no pressure. You're just playing with Messier. Yeah. So you're playing in you're playing for the Rangers, and you go into Hartford, and um, there's a shift where you're playing against uh, Grimson, and Grimson gives a pretty aggressive check into the boards, knocks your helmet off, right? Mm-hmm. And then so you you decide then to to, um, to call him on or whatever, and so the the you square off against each other. Now you have no helmet, and he's towering above you. So the way the the, the the people who were calling the game called it. They're like, this is a real mismatch. Like, he's got no helmet, so Grimson doesn't have to worry about hurting his hands. And he's, there's a big size differential here between the two guys. They, they were basically saying, what are you doing putting this kid up against this against the Wolves? you got to have your your big your heavyweights out against yeah. this guy, right? Yeah, the only thing I proved in that fight was that I could take a punch. <laughs> yeah, like nine in a row. Eight, eight. I counted them. In slow motion. Yeah, Trust yeah. Me, I watched that tape many, many times. And it, you know, fast forward before that actual fight, it was I was up with the the Rangers for a little while. I haven't fought, and sometimes you get a little anxious. You got to prove, you know, that you can do your thing. And I first shift, I ran after Sue Grimson right away, and I'm running around trying, and I'm asking him to go, and I'm asking him to go, and he's playing me out, playing me out, playing me out. He's a wily veteran, and uh, you know, he wouldn't fight me, wouldn't fight me. Get back to the bench thinking he's not going to fight me. I go out to my next shift. I'm running around hitting everybody, and he hits me in the boards. That's when my helmet popped off. At the end of my shift, he hits me in the boards, helmet pops off, and he says, let's go. And I'm like, motherfucker. Yeah. I'm at the end of my shift, my helmet is off, and I'm fucking squaring off the fucking biggest guy in the league. And he, knew, he knows what he's doing too, right? Yes. He's he got all exactly the... exactly what he was doing. Yeah, yeah. He knew exactly. And I was, you know, hot... Can't say no now. I'm yeah, a yeah. rookie just got called up. I gotta do my thing, right? And he wants to go, so I gotta dance. So, needless to say, I, I, I took a beat in that, that game. And so, then, and so it was then, um, how it would have been the next year, 
or a couple years later? Uh, it was a few years later, actually. Uh, yeah, the, and then I was in Chicago, and then he went to Anaheim. And, and uh, had yeah. you had fought him in between that? No, no. So then that was round two, round three in the same game. So I, I have got Let's a bit of a long memory when it comes to that kind of stuff. So. I, uh, we'll jog it. Let's jog it yeah. with the video. Yeah, yeah, yeah let's yeah, jog yeah, his yeah, memory yeah. with the yeah. next video. Okay. So this one, if you, anyone wants to follow in the home game, you can go on to YouTube and just uh, put in uh, Stu Grimson, Ryan Vandenbush. Um, what does it say? Like the fight plus the uh, revenge or something? It's round two or something. Fight round two. and the revenge. Yeah, the fight and the revenge. Oh, we need to plug this back in. But, oh, yeah. Yeah, so I, I knew I was lining up beside him. There's a battle right off the draw. That's all right. You can go back. They show it a bunch of times, but yeah. Oh, sorry. That's all right. No problem. All right. So we're want to go. I asked him to go. He want to go. Then he just fight. You got his helmet off right away. Yeah. Oh yeah. That was a huge hit. So after this. But he's super mad right there. Like, yeah. He wants to kill me now. <laughs> and, and I know that. And so in between periods, Dave Manson says, uh, Bushy, he's going to want to come out there and fight you again. And my advice to you is... Can you pause it, Paul? Oh, yeah. Yes, right at the bottom there, he paused. Yeah, so he, he, uh, there you go. You're all over the place. There you go. So what you're saying, you said that you, you you knew that you got like you got him good and he's... I got him good, yeah. I broke his nose and, and dropped him. And so now we're sitting in the dressing room, and Dave Manta says, "Well, she's gonna want to fight you again." And, and my advice to you is, don't do it, please. <laughs> <laughs> I said, "Okay." So I get out there, and sh first shift, I'm lined up right beside him. He doesn't say a word to me. The puck drops. He just steps back, drops his gloves, and says, "Let's go." And I'm like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> <laughs> we got that one too. Let's play the play that one. Yeah, so the, you know this one's going to be a lot harder than the first one because he's way more determined. You've been in that situation yourself a bunch of times, right? You really owned him in that fight, though, because you got his helmet off easy and you got that real good punch in. Like, oh, man. <laughs> it's when you, when you hit it, when he hits the ice and he springs back up and punches, you know, that he's just, that's reflex anger, you know? Pretty good left right there. <laughs> Man, it is worth a look if you want to go at home and check it out. Maybe you have to pause to not get caught in a tornado like my brother. <laughs> and then this is the second fight. Yeah, right away he's on. Yeah, and he's he's full of. <laughs> there he was your win. Yeah. But then watch this. This is the impressive player. <laughs> Trying to keep my job. Yeah, yeah. And you still. Oh, there you go. Yeah, he yeah. Yeah. Good job. Positive everything. So, so he slips and falls. I fall on top of him, and and when I'm hitting him, it looks like blood squirting out of him, but it's actually out of my own nose. Yeah, <laughs> it's just from your effort yeah. is squirting yeah. it out of your nose. <laughs> yeah, there's a quite a bit of blood there. There was a lot. And that was a broken nose then? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I broke it three times. Really? Was it all in that one game? No. <laughs> really? Because I remember asking you one time, how many times have you broke your nose? And you said, um, this year? Is what you said. <laughs> what a 
Three times, that's not too bad. That one did a number though, right? The worst broken nose was your, uh, the rock one, or was it? Yeah. Yeah. No, we're, that was Wade Belak. Wade Belak, that, yeah. yeah. He will, was, who would you say, out of all the years of you doing this for a living, that had your number? Who was the one that had your number? Dennis Bombi. Really? He played mostly in the, in the minors, but yeah, he definitely had my number. I fought him since I was uh, 17 years old. He was with North Bay, North Bay Centennials. And Didn't Belak have your number too? Yeah, Belak was, uh, you know, we, we fought a few times. He had my number as well. There's a few guys that had my number. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I had a lot of guys' numbers too. So. Yeah, so who did you good. own that sh you shouldn't have owned? Like who most most of the bigger guys, they, they don't. Yeah. Did they un, did they just not like prepare did, for you they or did not, not like to fight a guy like me because they can't win really because if they if they win while well, they're supposed to win yeah if they tie me well they lost because I'm a lot smaller and if I win I look like a hero yeah yeah, yeah. So I felt like I couldn't <laughs> lose a fight really that yeah was my, that was my uh, mentality going into it yeah it's like it's like fighting yeah anytime you fight somebody that you look outmatched with there's no way to win but you can't sit there like those guys could say like have you ever fought him like it's hard it's mm -hmm. just because he's small also, and i'm a lefty too yeah 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 so. it does mix it does mix you up well grimson was he fight with both hands both yeah yeah because he switched the one time yeah. in that yeah that do, do you fight with did both, you switch yeah. yeah yeah i didn't know i was a lefty until my first year junior when would you be most likely to switch when you're fighting a left-handed guy or were you it all depends if, if i'm fighting a righty and I'm, yeah, I, I, if, if i know a guy's a, like a guy like george the rock for example i know he's a strict lefty pretty much and um you know if you want to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with him then i would throw with my right 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 defense but if you want if i want to go left with his left then we're kind of holding each other out but he's got way longer arms so he's going to reach me and i'm not going to reach him right right <laughs> it's a whole different so game it's, eh? a whole, it's a whole different fight there yeah and that's what they said even in the rangers fight because you were new and they didn't the, the, they, i'm talking about the commentators the commentators didn't know how to really um what they were to expect so they were like uh he better get in there close against this guy because the guy's twice his size yeah. and then he's like oh he isn't close oh yeah. and, they, and right away you know the it's not your first time doing it, so you've learned what you have to do. Stu was smart, though. He he uh, always wore a very loose jersey, so you couldn't stay very close to him. And uh, his he hardly had any shoulder pads, so I had to grab the back of his jersey behind his head. You know what I mean? And bring that around to the front. So it just because you have to wear a tie down at some point in time. I think it was in the late nineties. They made you wear your tie down so you didn't come out of your jersey. Right, right. So that that hurt me a lot because. Um, when I was fighting bigger guys, they just grab onto my jerseys. They can control me for the most part, but I would just drop down a little bit, slip out of my jersey. They had nothing to hold on to, so I had free range. Oh, so now, um, was there a trick you could do to make it so that the the tie down would come apart? Yeah. Like, because that does tend to happen sometimes, right? Yeah, sometimes you just put the velcro on, you don't snap the button on. Oh yeah, so it, it will come out. If Is you that a penalty now? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. But you can do that at the end of the game, or if it's your third uh, fight in the game, and you know you can get kicked out anyway. So you might as well not even wear the tie down. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's lots of little tricks you can play. Well, yeah, it's all done for a reason, right? That's right. So um, right now, that that's the Stu Grimson thing. I promised it last time, but uh, you ended up getting. I think both times, even the time you broke your nose, you he, still looked pretty good. He won the series. <laughs> what out of the three? Was that yeah. the only? That's like, three, three times. Yeah. yeah. But I don't know that second. The first one was kind of like not even. I don't even count the first one because it wasn't really fair. You have to only be going on your last one, and I think it's a draw. I could give you a draw. I don't think he. I don't think Grimson's going to think he owns it by any stretch of the imagination. No, so, the, so we played him. I think it was four weeks later, three weeks later, and we're in and I and I'm lined up beside him, and he looks at me and he says, "Let's just keep it clean tonight." <laughs> 
said, that's a great I said, compliment. No problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good compliment, actually. When you got, I don't think you're going to be losing any sleep over not having no, to get tape those shots that. over a giant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, thank goodness. No I problem, Stu. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. All right, this is time uh, for feedback. We got a feedback. We got feedback. No, I'm okay. Feedback. Well, welcome to feedback. We got feedback this week. Um, this week's feedback. We got feedback is brought to you by the same people I mentioned at the beginning of the show, VG Meats and Amazon. Go to the live from the Dutch Hall uh, website, and you can either get a nice VG Meats uh, coupon where you can get a, a discount on meats just for live from the Dutch Hall listeners. It's nice that they did that for you. And uh, or you can go, you do your Amazon shopping and uh, have some money go back to the show. Also, we have a PayPal uh, donate button if you just wanted to say, This is such a great show, I want to give Pete five bucks. You know, you can do that too with the PayPal pal donate button. Really it all helps the show. We bought a few new uh, pieces of equipment here, so it's uh, it's actually, um, I'm actually spending money before you give it to me. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Um, some people, like my wife, would call it just losing money. But... <laughs> they so, understand it. Yeah. <laughs> no, she doesn't. I shouldn't. Just kidding with her. Uh, this week's listener of the week is. I wish I do have a drum roll here. I'm gonna give a drum roll for my listener of the week this week. Let's see, drum roll D. Listener of the week is Michael Bow. Michael. Yay, Michael Bow. Our listener of the week, and he's also been a uh, he's been a great support to the show. So this week we're going to name him listener of the week because he's never been named that before. So thanks, Mike, for all your help and you've helped out the show. Also, we'd like to also, always, as every week, we welcome our new listeners from all over the world. And this week we have some from very exotic locations like Delhi, Ontario, and Simcoe, and Brantford, Cambridge, Montreal, Quebec, Guelph, Ontario, and Dordrecht. Netherlands. Oh, oh North Brabant? No, maybe? No, no, it's not. It's just out by uh, Rotterdam. It's in the, out by Rotterdam. I don't know what that would be called, what mm. province that would be, you know? No, I don't. That's anyway. My head. They listened to us last week, our, our uh, poop show from uh, Poops and Spoons from Live from Delhi. We listened to, they listened to that one. Uh, <laughs> so I hope that, I don't know if they'll listen again, but uh, <laughs> they definitely listen once. So uh, thank you to all our new listeners. Um... Feedback, uh, we just actually, because of the nature of the way I'm recording these shows, because I'm going away to Vegas, I recorded that show last Friday, I think, and released it on Thursday. This one I'm rele I'm recording on, what today? No, I recorded that one on Saturday. This one I'm recording on Friday. It's re released next Thursday. And uh, then we've got the Vegas show. So um, it's feedback's been a little slim, considering we're recording the, the day after it came out. But I did get some feedback from listeners, mostly... Uh, that it's filthy. The show was ridiculous and uh, mostly Perfect. talked about uh, just nonsense like poop a lot. Yeah. And uh, which was a big, solid part of the show. I think we dedicated a good 20 minutes. Good, good half, 25 minutes, half an hour. <laughs> to poop. And uh, I was actually thinking that day too, like when I went there, because I, I had gone to see a bunch of stand up comedy in Brantford. Uh, the previous week, uh, and I was, it was young comics starting out and stuff like that, and I was saying, how much of these guys, they're always talking about either getting laid 
or pooping. Like that's the only things they're talking about. Most of them are young people. I'm like, that must be all they have to talk about is just poop and sex. Cause it's all they do. They have like, is their basis of funny things to talk about? And then what did I do? I went and talked the whole time about <laughs> pooping and like, Oh, we're going to start a spooning business, but which I still think is a great idea. <laughs> And uh, so, anyways, the feedback so far—that's—I haven't got very much, but what I have had, I just call it lukewarm, lukewarm. But the numbers have been good, so people must like poop talk because people have been listening to it. So, but every week I ask for uh, feedback from one special listener, and this week's no exception. So let's hit his theme song. How much do we play this? We're going to do three verses this time. Well, that's the Haitian Dwarf theme song, for those of you who don't know. And the Haitian Dwarf has been a listener ever since week one. He's always been uh, giving me feedback week after week. And this week, we had, I, had to, I had to reach out to him on short notice to give me some feedback. But he listened to it the minute it came out because he's a super fan of all super fans. And um, he gave me some feedback so quickly. And the Haitian Dwarf gave me, uh, this week, five stars. Five stars, big surprise from the Haitian Dwarf. And his feedback is as, is as so. And to think I grew up believing that women didn't shit. Anything else you'd like to spring on me? I enjoyed the episode nonetheless, but I was surprised, considering the extensive shit talk, that the famous dwarf back-to-back -back bucket shit wasn't mentioned. With regard to your lovely co-host, my wife Jane... I meant no offense last week. I would never imply anything beyond a purely professional relationship. In addition to dwarf tossing, I am also a qualified and licensed spooner in my home country of Haiti. So thank you very much, Haitian Dwarf, for that, that lovely feedback. I'll tell you right now, this spooning business, though it was kind of kind of like came across as a, just an impro improvised idea, you know, at the end of the show last week, maybe inspired by a bit of uh, alcohol. I don't know if it was, had anything to do with it. But the more I think about it, the more I really chew on this idea to, to, to uh, start a business where I will, you know, sub in for people and just take care of the snuggling. At the end of it, uh, I'm thinking there's a market there, and I am willing to do it. I'm a very good snuggler. I think an anyone will agree. And if I can get a little Haitian guy to come in, help it out, there, I'm sure there's a market for people who would just love to snuggle up with a little tiny man like that. And uh, really, it, it would be comforting, wouldn't it? <laughs> and so I, I appreciate the offer, Haitian Dwarf, and I'm going to put you on payroll. We don't have any customers yet, but... Hey, if you guys want to, you know how to reach out to me. Go to lifeinthedutchhall@gmail.com. If you need, if you need any sort of snuggling, or you need, uh, if you like that sort of thing, we can arrange it. We have the Haitian dwarf that's willing to help out too. So, is he willing to wear different outfits, like a Haitian dwarf? Yeah, he's always been. He's a goer. Yeah, yeah. I think if you if you uh, pose the idea to him, I think he's good for it. You know, I haven't heard him say no to anything yet. He'll let me throw him against the wall for heaven's yeah. sakes. You know, wearing a Velcro suit, and that's pretty humiliating, as far as I'm concerned. But uh, he seems to enjoy it, so I'm sure if we ask him, say, "Can you? I want to snuggle with you in a kitten costume," right. or um, you know, I would like him to be maybe uh, like in a luchador, like a miniature Sasquatch, or a little monkey, maybe. Like a... I like rest. I like the little wrestlers, like oh, like what, or a little like a hairy, like you never see those Mexican wrestlers. They're all hairy. They got like the big eyebrows. Yeah, they got hair all over their face. Like their hair grows everywhere, like a wolf man. Like those little, like in that Nacho Libre. You are Nacho Libre. No. 
They have the little these little hairy Mexican guys that come out. They're vicious. I think they're fantastic. I'm I'm mesmerized by that. That's why I love that movie. <laughs> you know what I gotta tell you? I gotta tell you a story. It's kind of it's kind of funny to me. Like I don't know. It's it's humiliating too. I was thrown under a bus by a by a previous guest of ours here on live from the Dutch Hall, uh, Tom Bowen, right? And uh, he's he's doing a lot of work with this uh, with this lady who uh, owns like an animal rescue. Yes, in Port Ryersey. In Port Ryersey, and it's uh, she does a lot to save. Uh, she's like a real saint when it comes to animals. Like she she saves all kinds of like squirrels and skunks and birds. Reckon. She goes in her backyard and she's like uh, Snow White. The birds will land on her arms and you know, she's it's it's uh, according to him. Have you been there? Yeah. He says it's amazing, right? So he was he's done quite a bit of work with her and he's and she's looking at expanding her operations to try to, you know, try to do more and she needs to do a fundraiser so. They've been trying to brainstorm ways to put a website together for her or a Facebook page or something to try to gain awareness for her cause, like to raise money for these animals. So Tom, my friend and, and former guest on uh, Life from Dutch Hall, says to her, I have a friend, Pete, who has a podcast, and I'm sure he'd be willing to promote your service and see what he can do to like, get the word out there, get raise some money to, for this cause. And uh, so if you'd like to come on sometime, I think he will, he'd love to have you as a guest, right? Which I said, yeah, she's a very interesting person. She has like, she's, it's ridiculous. I've never seen anyone that can, that does this sort of thing or is this connected. She's honestly like a real life Snow White, right? But the only thing is she also has more in common with the seven dwarves because she's a little person, right? So, uh, Tom says to her, um, my buddy Pete, who runs this podcast has a fascination with little people. And so I'm sure he's going to want to talk most of the show about you being a little person or like for a good portion of the show about you. And I'm like, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Like if I had her on, I'd be more interested in the work she's doing. And, the, right. you know, the fact that she's a little person is, is consequential. I'd still have to do the Haitian dwarf bit in front of her. Right. But I'm, I'm thinking she would uh, I would be respectful, you know, like she's uh, she does great things. I'd be more interested in that than the dwelling in the fact that she's got a she's a differently challenge is that the right way to say it? vertically challenge yeah yeah vertically challenge or whatever it doesn't make a difference to me that, that as far as her work that she does you know i wouldn't try to wrestle her or do anything like disrespectful like that you know like i think that was a oh, now, you want to, now she's scared of me she thinks i'm some it. sort of weirdo that's like just wants to sit just gonna be she's gonna come in i'm gonna gawk at her and just stare i mean that's not the case at all anyway i think she'll be fine i, I think you have to go down there and i'm hoping get, she'll come i'm yeah, hoping she'll she come would. I could do a, I can just do a, a remote interview too. Yeah. Like I could just go out there and do a remote interview if she's more comfortable. But um, anyways, I am a little fascinated, but I would cross it off. I, cause, I, cause you know what? Every once in a while we say things are a little off color here at live in the Dutch hall. And uh, the consequences of that is that you might alienate some of your listeners, right? Like you might, they might think, uh, you know, Hey, he's not a uh, little person friendly or he's not uh, uh, friendly to the African American population or the, the homosexual population or the women or, you know, or the, you know, white men. I'm always, I, I think I'm, I have good support from the white men, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but, you know, so I would think it would only help me. I think I'm actually, I have two little people that are great fans of the show, the Haitian dwarf and ice girl 60 has proven herself to be a, a little person. And they're both fans. I've been respectful to both of them. I don't see other, any reason. I don't, I don't have a fascination with them needs. Uh, I just happen to be drawn to their work. And they happen to be drawn to mine because they have two fans right there. I love it. Beautiful. I anyway, love it. That's, that's the feedback we got feedback for this week. Oh, let's give us a round of applause for that feedback. We got feedback. All right. 
All right, before we get to the um, my closer, which last time we did, we tried to do a closer with the rapid fire, which didn't last because I'm too interested in the long answer, so I didn't able to do the long. But before I get in this, there's one question I, I wanted to ask, and Paul, it's good that you're here too because uh, you might have an opinion on this. But um, I just want to know, like when you were a kid, you got to play minor hockey in a small town like Delhi, right? Which is a town of about five thousand people, drawing area of more, but you know about t- five thousand people. You played. In a small town like Delhi, you happen to be lucky enough to play with really skilled players, which were able to bring your quality of play up, and that helped you to, to like kind of like strive to the next level, right? You said on the last show too. You said um, how you were lucky to play with such good players because it always makes you, you know, better player, a yeah. better player yourself, right? So that leads me to believe leads me to ask this question, and uh, I know we have asked it to you before, but never on air. But do you think in today's day and age? that um, a person can go through the same system in a small town like Delhi just playing minor hockey or any small town for that matter in the country or in, in the world uh, without playing AAA and get noticed to go to a higher level of hockey? Or do you think you have to go into the AAA program to in order to get to there? No, absolutely not. You can uh, do the same thing still. Because um, the... But my, what I see is that they're not the, the the good players aren't staying in minor hockey anymore. Everyone's so crazy about playing AAA, and it's it, when you're when you're young, before you get hair on your nuts, it's all about having fun, and and when you have fun and you're playing with your buddies, you're gonna improve, right? So a lot of people want to get their their kids out of the uh, you know if they're good enough to play AAA in Brantford, they're gonna take them out at the novice age or even the Adam age and. And that's a time where you're just trying to get them hooked on the game and, and, and teach them about the game. And, and the most important thing is the, the, the development of, of each kid and, and having fun. No, that's it. That's all you got to do. And then once they get a little older, maybe to the peewee age, uh, when they're 14, like I said, when they start getting hair in their nuts, then you know pick one sport, get really good at it. You want to play AAA, go play AAA where you can get the most exposure. At, at that point in time, it's about getting exposure. But uh, today, to answer your question, you can still play, I, I really truly believe, in your own town up until you're about 15, 16 years old because you know what, when you're 16 or 17 years old, you want to be playing Junior B, uh, probably at 17 years uh, of age, and um, that could just get you ready for the next step. Yeah, but like that's how it worked when you were a kid. But then today, uh, in today's day and age, the once like because they're uh, AAA novice, you know, like tr- and uh, but if the kids are already entrenched in that system, and they're like you kind of get that nepotism where everybody kind of knows the kids, and then you get to the point where they have to pick the junior B team, yeah. and those kids are they're going to choose from this, the AAA first because the perception is those where the best players are. Yeah, but. It's, like Ryan, when Brian played in Delhi Minor Hockey, he was he wasn't like the best player on his team. Like there was guys that were, it was hard work that got him to where he was. There was guys that were better hockey players than him on that on the teams in Delhi that just were more interested in pussy and beer, right? There, there's a lot of distractions along the way, but you know. To, to answer your question, is Pussy and Bear two of them? Was that Pussy and Bear? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Pussy's Bear, you name it. There's yeah. So many fucking distractions, um, and, and they all come at different age levels too. And yeah. and when you're you're young and your parents are telling you to play, you know, spring hockey and summer hockey, and 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 they, the kid may love to play spring hockey and summer hockey, but I don't want my kid to do that because there is a burnout factor. You know, yeah. there, there is a burnout factor where you get to a certain age, you're just sick of the game. 
you know, and sometimes that hits when you're 16 years old for some kids. Some, and they may be the best players in novice, and they, they are dominating, and, those, and the parents see that, and they want to keep on giving them that ice time and putting more pressure on them to play more and more and more, and they may love it, but there comes a point in time there is a burnout factor. And, and that could be when you're 16, that could be when you're 35. You know? Yeah, yeah. And uh, I didn't play a lot of hockey up until the age I was about 14 years old, and then I, I, then I just, for something, some reason, I just, I just want, I just all I want to do was play hockey, you know. And uh, really, that you weren't like that before that. No, when I, you were a kid, I was, you know, I, I slept in and missed some practices, or you know, in the early morning, I, I felt guilty afterwards. But, um, but then it got to a point where, you know, you, you get a little older, you get a little more competitive, and and uh, you just, you just want to play, yeah, it's something you love to do, and you never have to work a day in your life. Did the game change for you when it started to become more physical, like at the peewee age when you started to oh, be able I to hit? Wait, yeah, because yeah. I, I'm a bit of an aggressive guy, and I, I played like your it. strengths I, more. Yeah, and I, it's, it's it's a different game at that level too. So you lose a lot of guys at that level as well. Once there's body contact, someone might take a big hit in the corners, and they can't recover from it. They don't want to have that happen to them again. So um, they just kind of peter away from the corners, and you know, if you peter away from the corners, you're not going to get to that next level either. So yeah, yeah. Uh, and sometimes it's size, you know, size. Yeah, keep size. Up, right? I mean, but the, or you the get it all clumsy. boils down to heart, and you know, like how bad do you want it, and how how much do you love the game, like anything else. Can you think of someone in the league that um, you would say who is the great, other than yourself, who, who's the greatest example of someone who was like um, got got there not by skill but by their work ethic or by their personality? That isn't you. Oh, Aaron Downey. Aaron Downey? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he, he was a tremendous uh, story. I called him Crash. The first time I, I, I got I traded from uh, Cornwall or Newmarket to uh, the Guelph Storm, and first practice, he comes skates up to me and stops and falls down and gets up. <laughs> My name's Aaron Downey, and they call me Crash. <laughs> <laughs> I said, no shit. <laughs> and doesn't he have his name on the Stanley Cup a couple times? Oh, two, mm-hmm. two times, man. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> We kept in touch throughout our our careers, and then then uh, we ended up being teammates, and we almost fought in training camp the one year, and <laughs> and uh, he went on to uh, he had a great career, boy. He he wanted it real bad, and he hooked up with Detroit and won a couple cups there. He went to Dallas before that. And yeah, yeah. He did really well for himself. Yeah, it's awesome, man. Like when you see that that happen, yeah. you know, where yeah. a guy gets by, and you know, it's like. Because the other thing we talked about this last time too, but the other thing that happens more more often than that even is where you see a guy's got all the skills in the world, but he's got his either his attitude's not in check or his his uh, he doesn't he's not willing to do what it takes to move to another level because it always worked for him before, and and then they end up getting left behind a huge amount of potential, but never the never the never the mindset to do what it takes to, to stay there. I, I, well, they they say Dave Hutchison, he's the next leaf. He says, you know, the the, the play a professional sport you gotta be it's all 90 percent mental and 10 percent being mental <laughs> yeah <laughs> Dude, that's like anything especially well especially when you're putting like i always think about that with professional sports because you guys put everything you got into it at a young age like you, you know like you leave your family at 16 in hockey and you go to another town a lot of times and get billeted by somebody and you and you dedicate all your time and effort to it and then you knowing that by the time you're in your mid-30s or something like that you're an old man mm-hmm. and you still have another you know how many years to live where you still got to worry about making a living and you have it all squished into that one little thing and at the end you have to, you're kind of left with now what do i do you know when you have so much more of your life to live like when you look well, back at your hockey career how long was it 12 years 14 years 14 yeah. years 
Um, yeah, no, you dedicate your whole life from the time you're eight years old to the time you're, you retire. And for me, it happened to be when I was 32. And uh, I didn't know anything else but hockey. Right. So when I got into the, you know, my I, my dad calls it the real world, and he says, "Well, you wait till you get in the real world, you'll get a, you know, a real rude awakening." And uh, got to the real world, and yeah, you know, got our my wife and I, Lisa, got our real estate license, and thought we were going to conquer the world, and and uh, you know, you realize oh, it sucks. Shit, it's a doggy doggy world. <laughs> yeah. right wow, yeah. I like the bubble that I lived in. My dad always, I used to get pissed off at my dad. He say, "Oh, you live in a bubble, and you don't even realize it." And uh, we tell you the real world. You know what? Looking back, I want to go back to my bubble. <laughs> I like that bubble. Yeah, well, I'd like to live in that bubble just for a couple of days, actually, yeah. where someone would give a shit when I wanted to. <laughs> but Mike, Mike Bo, you're you're a prime example too of a, of a kid, lo- local kid, farmer, played uh, competitive hockey, got drafted to major junior A. What, what team did you get drafted by again? Peterborough. Yeah, yeah Peterborough Peets. Yeah. And uh, so, tell us your story. Where's, How'd that happen? He's a Mike. How'd that happen? How did it all go about? Yeah, just... So you, you got, you got, uh... Here, we'll get your microphone here. Oh, okay. So yeah. you're, you're drafted. How old were you? Uh, what was I? I was coming out of junior B, so I would have been six, seventeen, 17, because I left home, yeah, 16, up to Owen Sound. Yeah, just and, away from uh, yeah. And went up there, yeah. Lived away from home, which is a big step, and then, yeah, I got drafted How did you feel that Pete's. first week when you're uh, in training camp at nervous as hell yeah don't but you know what i actually like i, I went around to a few places i actually picked owen sound as a place to go because okay. it felt like home to me and uh yeah no i enjoyed it up there actually they signed me in training camp so that was kind of a good feeling because i had been to a previous i mean since i was 15 i'd been to a few b camps right. st mary's and whatnot and you know you kind of i had the jitters out a bit by then but still nervous because never been away from home mm-hmm. so went there for a bit and uh or for the year, had a good year, decent year, and and then got drafted to Peterborough that summer. Um, later, later, I guess than what I would have figured, but you know that's how it goes. Where Actually, did you go? where did I go in twelve? Twelve, yeah, 15. yeah, <laughs> yeah. And you know what? It was. Uh, I think you and your dad actually was a big, big help to me going through all that as well. And I remember watching your tapes, going, getting ready to to go to camp and everything, and. It was, you know, kind of that connection. John Moore was a big part yeah. of it too, and the guy Jeff Tui, it was yeah, who yeah. came and said, you know, doesn't matter what round you got drafted in. I said, he said, look what Ryan Van Bush did, and it was a big inspiration, obviously, for a guy like me coming from Delhi. And right. we maybe played a little bit of a different game, but yeah. still, it was all about hard work. And right. yeah, things didn't pan out, but I don't yeah. regret it at all. Yeah. I mean, yeah. every experience I went through playing hockey. I mean, my friends. I know so many people it's all so much of a benefit to your life like you said that bubble i mean you still get to pick and choose out of that bubble of your buddies here and there that's it's pretty neat running into everybody playing major junior a hockey making 35 dollars every two weeks yeah that didn't matter though you're having time you didn't yeah you're away from for me you're away from home at 16 17 i mean you're living the dream already there but not only that you're doing something you love to do but yeah. yeah, I mean, the homesick. I was homesick as hell, and and I, I wanted to get home. But um, I don't understand how it's not child labor. It, there's a bunch of is. people like them making a huge amount of money off you, and then you get nothing, and you get paid like right. a slave. You know, like I, I'm like, if you're making it off of me, I'm the one that's making the money for you. I think we should get paid here, like they're, real money, like not. They're they're weeding out all the ones that want to do it just for the money. That's yeah, I guess like, so, right? Yeah, yeah. though you'll how get it. How much up. do you love the game to play? 
$35 every two weeks to play for that, and you're on the road all the yeah. time, yeah. you're away from home. And the worst is the college sports, like the, the American college sports, where they fill like football arenas with 100,000 people, and they got this huge, it's making huge amount of money for this school. And I don't care if you get a free ride, I don't care what that's worth. You're making millions yeah. for that school. You deserved, and you're giving your body up, and you potentially are going to get injured and not have a career because of this, yeah. and you're getting no compensation for it. You At least you get, should get insurance. At least something for medical or some sort of, if you get injured while you're playing. Yeah, if you get injured when you're playing, you get set up for life or something like that, or you get you get like some insurance, but I don't know. Is it's that, just not right the way it's set up now. Yeah, because no. it's insane, those stadiums down there is... Yeah, there are people making so much money off the backs of the, you know, and, they, and the thing is, they usually pulling kids out of like tough situations. They throw, they they make it so they 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 get treated well, so they feel like they're a big right. shot. But they're the amount of money they're getting thrown at them is nothing compared to what yeah. they're making yeah. those schools, right? I don't even think you should have to be a student at the school. I think as long as you're making money for that school program, the school has this business unit, i.e., their sports team that they make money so they can fund their university. Then who, you don't have to go to school. You should be allowed to go to school. But if you're not going to school there, and they still hire you to play football, it's just the, your job, and it's just their way, their fundraiser to make their to make the school better. And the kid should be able to work there, you know, like as an employee. Like our school hired a football team. If anything, it should be professional, you know. Like I don't, I, I think that it has one has nothing to do with the other because they're not really getting real education anyways for the most part. I mean, if you don't want to get an education, you just want to play sports, and you're good enough. They'll find ways for you to pass your classes, don't they? Or is that a myth? I don't know. I went the major junior eight route. Yeah, uh, hockey's not the same. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, hockey's uh, definitely different. Yeah, even you know, university. You, they'll get you a tutor. I mean, if, you, if you're good enough, and they, if the coach doesn't want to lose you, they'll. Yeah, they'll. I'm sure they'll find a way. They'll get you a tutor, and they'll work with you for sure. Right. Well, this is the last segment of the show. Is the one we last time we tried to do a a a, a, a bonus round or a, a rapid fire, which didn't work out. So this time, I don't even call it rapid fire because I know I'm going to still do the same thing. I'm going to still fuck it up and, and, and go on forever. So I was thinking, I, my hockey experience, my, I'm going to go with my hockey experience, which was uh, none, like very little. I played uh, hockey till I was uh, in, uh, eight years old. And I uh, realized that I couldn't, re- between periods, I couldn't figure out that you switched ends. <laughs> so I kept skating the wrong way. And um, eventually m- my dad saw mercy, gave me mercy and let me quit. And um, then when I got older, I played um, I played intramural hockey in university. And I started playing men's league pickup and shimmy and stuff like that. And I love the game of hockey. I love playing. I'm just terrible. I'm the type of guy that if I score a goal, both benches cheer. You know, and that's never good. <laughs> But my favorite part about it is that my favorite part about hockey is the dressing room. I think the dressing room is uh, more fun than the game. I, I was saying to you earlier, I think if they, if they filmed the dressing room talk, I would watch that and then stop watching the games, like just to watch the dressing room talk because it's always fun to watch that. And in my history, like in my uh, experience with hockey, in the, especially in the dressing room, you have uh, certain characters that live in your dressing room that no matter what team you play on and no matter what uh, – is, uh, rink you're in there's the same kind of characters that are in that dressing room right absolutely like um and i have some examples um like there's always like uh, a guy who um always is naked like yeah, there's a naked guy a yeah, naked sure. guy right like who's Constantly. just sitting around those are the ones with the fucking baby arms right yeah i was gonna say usually has a big horn on him <laughs> yeah one time i was in high school around yeah. all the way not embarrassed of anything <laughs> yeah yeah so you know these guys right they're oh, everywhere yeah. yeah and there's one guy who's just like constantly naked yeah. 
And are they always big dicked guys? Like, for the most, most part? For the most part, yeah. It's because I had one guy, he was a black guy, he went to high school with me, and uh, he w- we had phys ed together, and we'd shower, and he'd sit there and dry his balls and uh, and penis for like ah, like the whole time. Like We're all dry and dressed, and he's still drying his balls, just sitting there with a <laughs> towel drying his balls, right? I'm not going to use his name, but... Uh, he, was, I think he was only half black too, but and his dick wasn't oh, the black okay. part because so he was not well endowed. Like he, he's, we were like, I'm always like, dude, like your dick's not that big. Like put it in your underpants. You should be ashamed of it. Like I am ashamed of mine. <laughs> you shouldn't be sitting there drying the thing all the time. But he, he, he. Uh, you gotta live up the reputation. Yeah, yeah. I don't understand. I think he's he had it in his head that he's black. I think, and then he thought his dick was big just because it was black, right. but it wasn't. It was the same size as mine or smaller. So I don't know what he was so pre. Put some pants on. Anyways, did you have the opposite of that? Uh, guys that would uh, didn't like being naked, so they would be the last guy in the shower and like oh, you know only yeah, take the towel. This one guy, and yeah, he he constantly would hide. You know, he was just constantly, you know. He just wasn't comfortable being yeah, naked yeah, in front just, of people. Just constantly hide. So nobody, you want to put any nobody, names? Nobody saw his fucking dick the whole year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's always people like that. How about stinky guys? I mean, don't forget, you're showering with these guys every day. You're 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 with them 24/7, yeah. literally, right? Right, so right. Having a shower with a guy is nothing. No. You know, walking around naked is nothing. Did uh, you ever play with a gay guy that was openly gay that you no, knew was gay but no, not openly no, no. gay? No, never did. Anyone that you thought were gay? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Do you want to tell it? Yeah, there's 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 a few. I would tell. But uh, yeah. there's I don't think there'd be anybody that comes out of the closet during the year and and admits to it. What story are we telling? Well, we got one story that Tom, uh, uh, Tom Bowen just came in here. I just told a Tom Bowen story. Now it's Tom. Tom, Tom's. Hey guys, how's everybody doing? Good, 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 good. So you have a dick guy story? Well, I do. I actually have a story of a, a guy that I played hockey with for quite a many years, and he was a, he was that guy. He was the swinging dick guy. He never any wrinkles. The thing was hanging down, half flaccid, but uh, no wrinkles. You know, no wrinkles, right? <laughs> the wrinkles is the indicator, right? If you got a lot of wrinkles, you got a lot of room to grow, right? Obviously. <laughs> so uh, this guy. She's at full capacity. Yeah. Now this story is has kind of a sad ending to it when when I tell this story, but it, you know it, it really applies. This gentleman would, uh, at a younger age, he was always doing the helicopter dance in the dressing room. Dick was always swinging, always running around. He would run out into the... Actually, he would do the old uh, silence of the lamb trick and tuck his penis under his legs. Buffalo Bill, I'm aware of Yes, Buffalo Bill. And he would run out into the hallway and he would terrorize the parents and terrorize uh, the kids in our team and actually would walk out into the entranceway of the arena with his penis tucked between his legs and would run out and pretend that he was a woman. And I, I always, he irritated me because he always thought that he, it seemed like he thought that he was very well hung and wanted to show it off all the time. And I always knew because he had no wrinkles that he didn't have much room to grow. And guys like myself who used to play and I would get the classic, you call it gladiator dick. Gladiator dick meaning you have a physiological response to uh, 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 working out or, or a strong physical exertion where your blood would get shunted to your extremities, of course, where you need the, the blood. Shunted? And shunted, yes. Well, I don't know what shunted is. Shunted means that the blood would be diverted from, oh, from, it. from your core 
to your extremities where your legs, your arms, everything you need. So there's not a lot of blood left for your, your general core area and you'd cool down and your penis would retract and turn into the classic egg in a nest. Yeah. So even though, even though you had a large penis, um, it would always look like a massive wrinkled mess of nothing but wrinkles and a little nub sticking out of your pubic. That's my problem. That's, my that's problem. what I had was a gladiator dick. And I understood that if, even though I had a gladiator dick and I, no matter how much I tugged at it, I would never uh, look as good as this guy did in the dressing room. It really didn't matter. The point remained that his behavior was very odd. And believe it or not, he, it ended up, we found out that he was actually a victim of sexual abuse from my local priest. Oh, Jesus. Oh, that's like a swerve that at the is, end. That, yeah. that, that, that is the that is the sad ending to the thing. And he he bartended. He Did bartend, the priest play hockey? He played hockey with me. He actually went and played semi pro over in Italy because he was Italian and he was a good hockey player. He skated like snot, would run everywhere, but never could accomplish anything. He just was all legs and no brains. And uh, his his thing, appeal was, I guess, that he liked to swing his dick around, and maybe it was a learned behavior that he had been taught from the church. But maybe uh, that's how he got in trouble with the church. So maybe swinging his dick around, being an maybe, altar boy. Maybe, maybe all I know is trying that to he, put his uh, dick he received the a large settlement, and the <laughs> priest that actually was charged, and uh, they found uh, photos and video uh -oh. of his behavior. And actually, the funny thing was not funny. None of it was funny thing that prompted him to finally come out about it was the gentleman out of that played with Theron Fleury, the Sheldon same Kennedy. Sheldon Kennedy. Oh, yeah. The oh, yeah. Sheldon Kennedy incident was what brought him out. And he he's now married and, and uh, has seemed to normalize his life. But as a youngster, he was very disturbed. And I remember he used to bartend our local watering hole. And one of his specialties was that he would jump up onto the bar and whip his pants out down and he would stir drinks for the girls with his penis <laughs> he was just a shower he's just a shower like he just looked good flaccid is that his thing yeah well i mean he just obviously was a disturbed individual but i couldn't i could i couldn't i couldn't help but walk in and tell you that story because it just reminded me when you're talking about guys and dicks and and, and i also had uh <laughs> A friend that was the opposite, and he was hilarious. He was Mr. Uh, flip Flop in the in the shower, afraid of foot fungus. The towel would come off at the last second before right, right. he got in the shower, and then he had his soap it up right away. So soap it up, he'd be such. in, he'd be out, and he'd be covering himself again. And uh, he always cracked me up, and it always seemed like such a contrast. You know, I had Mr. No Dick and Mr. S Helicopter, and uh, it made for a, an interesting. Uh, uh, a room, a dressing room, and I remember uh, that gentleman actually, the one with the little dick, ended up quitting hockey for a year because me and my cousin decided one day that we would, because his flip-flops were so ridiculous that we would urinate on him in the shower. <laughs> and we did. I and think you're a bad person. His, his parents... <laughs> you, get urinated, you never know that you're getting urinated on. No, that's right. I had a guy that I went to work with at, uh, when I was a banker, and he told me stories about how he's in university, and there's this friend of his, I didn't, uh, this friend of his who his name was Kenny, it, it somehow helps the story. And, and they used to sit in the shower, and every time Kenny would go take a shower, the rest of the guys would get excited because the, they had one of those, like, it was a male residence, and they had one of those, like, shower trees and everything. So they would wait till, to, till Kenny was going to take a shower, and they'd run into the, 
the the bathroom with him say i gotta take a shower too and then as soon as he soaped his uh shampooed his hair where it got into his eyes or whatever the guys would pee on him and uh this was they they did it for the entire year and he would get so mad and the more mad he got the more they would be like they couldn't wait to do it again because it got a rise out of him and they would pee on him constantly and even uh he said like years later they're grown they're out of school and the guy came to visit him at his cottage, and they're sitting in the sh- in the shallow water in lawn chairs, and they're just sitting there with beer, you know. And uh, my friend said that he uh, waited until like he the guy was kind of looking off in the distance at the beautiful like uh, view and all that stuff. And then he said he had a piss. He just kind of pulled his shorts up and he aimed his dick at Kenny when he was sitting there in the chair and just pissed on him. And then uh, and the guy's going, "What are you like? What are you doing?" And every time you tell this story, tell a mixed company like in front of like women. And the women would be like, uh, that's the worst thing I have ever heard of. Like, how you, how would you pee on your friend? It sounds terrible, right? And most of the guys would just laugh because it sounded hilarious, right? And <laughs> me being not a real man, I was somewhere in the middle of that. Like, I just, <laughs> just taking it in. Anyways, I don't, I don't know how we got on that. Hey, uh, as long as we're on my list, that's what I mean about these rapid fire. Smelly guys. Smelly guys. Oh, yes. Who's the smelliest guy you've ever played with? Like, where? And then there's two hey. kinds of smelly: stinky farts and stinky, just stinky. Like their equipment stunk and they stunk. I didn't play with this guy, but uh, Donald Brashear. By reputation. Donald Brashear was a. He, he needed some deodorant on. But he he says you smell like wet dog. Yeah, well, I probably did. No equipment. But uh, no, I don't, gassers. Like, There's got to be a guy who's like notorious for gassers. These the Russians. They're the Russians? Farting in their diet, eh? They had the worst Borscht. diet ever. Just beet farts. Yeah, smoking, drinking right after <laughs> the game, farting and blah. So you know how there's all these type of guys, like there's guys that stink and there's guys that are telling dirty stories all the time. Guys yeah. are telling like stories about their sexual es- escapades and like really good storytellers. So you must have guys that were like awesome. Like you couldn't wait to just hear whatever they're up to. 25 different personalities in one room and hanging out with them for 24 mm-hmm. seven. You get a lot of real neat personalities coming out, you know, when you get all relaxed. And- Not to mention you have the whole world too. You have like people from all cultures too. When you, yeah. by the time you get up to the big leagues, right? Like, yeah. Were the Russians and the Czechs and the, the Finns? The Russians and... were, you know, when they were, they, they worked their bag to get to North America to play in the NHL. And then once they get there, for the most part, and I'm not saying all of them, but for the most part, they're the ones that just kind of, once they got there, they were just chilling out and just... Enjoying They're the laziest. Really? Overall, yeah. Hmm. The Finns and the Swedes, those guys worked their bags off. Oh, yeah. The North Americans, yeah. But the North Americans are definitely by far the toughest. For sure. Right, right. Yeah. How about like the Czechs or the Slovaks and stuff? Czechs like? are very similar to the Russians. I found. Right. But, but better. They're nicer. <laughs> yeah. I like them better. Yeah. The Russians were the hardest to get along with. No, I like the Russians. They're they're okay, but they're in their own little clique. The French, uh, between the, the the Frenchmen and the uh, the Russians, they they are very clicky. Stick own, to themselves. Own, yeah. Yeah. Own people. Harder to break. Did you ever have a good Russian friend? Um, not really, no. No, yeah, just didn't. I liked them. I, yeah, yeah, yeah but just them, never got a no, close never, relationship. Yeah, I had a, I had a Czech friend, Radim Bachanik. He was, he was a good guy. Yeah, yeah. But uh, he was Czech. How about when you were in Finland? Did you, did you get along with the Finnish people, the culture of the people? Yeah, they were great. Yeah? yeah? Yeah, very friendly. Are they a lot like, uh, or like, would, did you relate? They're they very happy. Yeah? Very surprising for how dark it is there all the time, too. It's just so far north. Yeah. Eh? Yeah. yeah. But uh, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. You hated it, at least? 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Lisa was, uh, she was stuck with the babies uh, all the time. We, I think, was, what, six months old, and Ray was 16 months older, and I was gone most of the time, and she... And you were gone in the winter, too, right? Like, so what, yeah. what, what would be the least amount of daylight you get in Finland? Oh, shit. I don't even remember what the hell it was. Was it real dark? It seemed like it was dark all the time. Up at 10 and went down at 4. 10 of, oh yeah. So we, that's still not very much sunlight, yeah. So, well, I had, um, I got the Russia, Finland one. Guys, oh, I have a question. Chris Simon. Chris Simon. Did you ever play with him? <laughs> I only, because you're talking about baby arms. Yeah, as soon as, you, as soon as I hear Chris Simon, I think baby arm. Because <laughs> yeah. that was the that was There's the thing. A guy that I love walking around yeah. naked. Right, oh, that's what I was. Because he was he was notorious was for insane. having like the the word on the street was that he had like the biggest schlong in yeah. the in the NHL and that uh, so I would imagine. Did you, you play with him? Talking about dick on your show a lot, eh? Holy shit! We're talking about that. dick. Why not? <laughs> we all got. Yeah, he had the biggest schlong for sure. Really? Yeah. Yeah, Have that, you seen that, it? Oh, fuck! How can you not? He's fucking but, walking around constantly naked. Yeah. Why you were, when did you where'd you play with him? Chicago. He's my roommate. They bought out uh, Bob Probert. Right, right. And then uh, yeah, Chris Simon was there. So biggest dick. Let's let's uh, let's just end it on yeah. on Simon's huge schlong. <laughs> huge hammer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, once again, everybody, thanks a lot. We'd like to uh, thanks a lot, Ryan, for coming in. I really appreciate it. I think we've uh, put a little bit more entertainment factor in this one versus the last one, and uh, it's always good to have you in. We have we have a million. We could do this uh, every week and still have tons to talk about. Uh, so thank you very much for coming in. Thanks for having me, Pete. And there'll be a lot of other stuff we can uh, talk about in the future outside of hockey because there's because you have a life now. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know. Is there anything you want to plug you while you're here? Have a life. Is you want to plug Lakeside Vista or anything going on uh, as, with you? You know, just trying to uh, figure out what I want to do with my life. I guess you know, Lisa and I got a real estate license, and I, and I parked my license for a little bit, and now I'm just trying a couple different ventures, and one of them is trying to establish our property uh, as a special event center and. You know, do a couple of festivals a year, and maybe a couple of weddings, and and you've done some good camps too. There, yeah, I, mean, I understood you did a camp, a survival uh, NHL alumni survival camp, and it, we had a really good response from uh, the kids and the parents. So hopefully, we can do that again next year. Yeah, definitely. So we'll maybe we'll, we'll have you in to promote that close to the day to get you, get it all full for you. Because yeah, it sound by all the by everything I've heard about that camp, it sounded like a huge success. So yeah, a lot of cool stuff going on there at Lakeside Vista, and I did see Blues Fest there, and it's it's turned out by all accounts to be a great venue for all those things. So if you'd like to uh, look it up, go online and look up Lakeside Vista dot ca. And uh, otherwise, the site's not done yet. Though. We're working on it. It'll be done in about a month. Well, this show's going to be on forever, right? Yeah, so people right. will be able to find it. By the time you listen to this, maybe it'll be up. Yeah, so um, otherwise, thank you, everybody, for tuning in again. I just ask you to do me one favor. If you like the show, tell friends, get them to listen. And if you could, please go on iTunes and provide me with some feedback. It helps me move up the list so they can feature me and get uh, more eyes on me. Um, otherwise, uh, please give me your feedback. by If you're not going to do it on iTunes, send me an email at lifefromthedutchhall at gmail.com. Or uh, reach out to me on Twitter, Dutch Hall on Twitter. Uh, like me on Facebook. Or uh, whatever, give me a call. I'll, I'll, there's a million ways to find me. And uh, please help the sh- continue to help the show by going on my website and clicking on the Amazon banner or going to VG Meets to help give them some love for their support to the show. Thank you very much. VG. <laughs>
Oh, can I get that thing back again so I can play my theme song to get out? Otherwise, we're gonna—it's gonna be a quiet show. Is that it? Oh, that's not it. Oh, I need a reducer. Oh man, where's the one on the end of that coil? <laughs> nope. That's not the one. I need the one on the end of that coily thing. This. There you go. Just just on See if it works. All right, everybody. This is uh, this is the end of our show. We'll see you next week. Do it. We did it. Yes. Cheers, buddy. Thanks a lot, eh? I think it worked out great. Say that about give a shit about what? Ryan's. He's like, we got Ryan in here. If anyone else doesn't give a shit.